Where's that coming from? Recording. Repeating across all frequencies. And I've been monitoring radio chatter. Just in case I hear something about us or one of our targets. Mostly it's just been random shit, you know, dead air. You know what this is? Yeah. I'm Raven. Raven, this is Blackbird. You out there, Frankie? Who is that? It's Billy Russo. We served together. He's a friend. Does, uh... Does he know you're alive? I don't think so. You see, that sounds to me like he does. Frank, do we need to worry about this? Just told you he's my friend, didn't I just say that? What kind of friend? Hey, everybody. Hey. Welcome to Panels to Pixels. Uh, this is episode number six. We're continuing our discussion about the Netflix uh, show The Punisher, uh, doing episode six called Judas Goat. Uh, tonight we have Steve Brown again, and thank you for coming along, Steve. Thank you. I love it. I love it. So uh, this uh, this episode seemed to have a lot of callbacks, a lot of dream sequences, uh, a lot going on between Curtis uh, and Billy and Madani, and there was like so much going on. A lot of interesting scenes, to say the least. But you know, oh, well, I'll show you have a few ideas. What I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, a lot of stuff. This episode, and I think I said this. I've said this before, but. This really felt like if this was a, a regular network kind of TV show, this felt like it could have been the mid-season finale because we got a lot of things happened that that are like a, an almost – they could have stopped the episode right then and been like to be continued you know, at, at all these different spots in the episode, which I thought was kind of interesting and kind of an interesting editing move on their part with this being episode six and it being a 13-episode season – it's not really the middle, but it's kind of the middle. So it was, uh, it was really good, though. Yeah. Uh, well, it's yeah. You could say that this is like the mid-season for the fact that it is in the middle because there's only how many episodes? Nine. Uh, thirteen, I think. 13? Thirteen. Oh, okay. Yeah. Still a little bit short and shy from uh, the other Netflix shows that were going on, like Luke Cage and Jessica Jones. Usually, they they ran to like sixteen. Okay. So it's from what I recall. So, but, uh, yeah, but you, you could say that definitely is like a mid-season mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. finale or mid-season episode. Um, so, uh, like, like you were saying, like we were both saying, is that a lot was going on. Uh, basically, it's centered around a lot about Madani and Bill, and then... Uh, Snuck off to, uh, you know, Frank and Micro, and, and during like uh, Thanksgiving, 
<laughs> yeah, it, it's it's an interesting. You know, it starts with this this kind of drink because we know the last episode ended with with Micro dragging Frank out of the the uh, the woods and putting him in the van, and I think uh, uh, Frank acknowledges that uh, you know he did something good. Uh, I think he says something like that: "Good job, CIA man," or "Good job, agent," or something like that. Uh, pulling him out of the sort of out of the field there and getting him in the van and then um as this episode starts we do get this dream sequence and we know it's a dream sequence because we see frank's wife pretty quick into it and we we and it has that kind of i think the dream sequences and i could be maybe i'm my vision is just not as good but it seems like they do put some kind of a filter over the lens or or do something with the the digital i'm assuming it's digital that it's not film they do something with it to make it look a little bit different than the rest of the series it's a little bit brighter but it's a little bit fuzzier at the same time not out of focus but just a little fuzzy uh, to me yeah like they put a stocking over it yeah yeah something something like that i don't know if they if they're doing that old school kind of stuff or if they have a, a, a you know a digital filter they can put on there and so we see them enjoying this this wonderful kind of thanksgiving dinner and then these armed men come into the room and we see frank is tied to the chair and they begin shooting everybody except frank and i uh i got a, a screen grab of they they do a shot of this this shelf where there's a bunch of games like family type board games and uh, I thought it was funny one of them was Steve the home game or the home edition something like that that I thought was was uh, pretty cool I gave myself a little Easter egg on that one um, yeah a lot of callbacks in that with uh, those little games too it, it, maybe they're trying to you know sometimes uh, screenwriters or people who are part of like set decoration will put stuff in there that we would tie it to not just the show, but something else. So yeah. when, you, when you said Steve, I'm thinking Steve Rogers. Right. <laughs> and it's like, you know, things right. like that. Could have been, you know, it could be anything. I, it, it's just uh, some of those names, and I don't have them in front of me right now. You know, one of them was uh, like, Mom, don't. Wait, I'm going to pull it up so I can look at it. Um, one of them was like personal space. Um, how how will you how will you retain yours? Uh, and then uh, one of them is like, don't break the water. And remember, Micro fell into the water when he was shot. So maybe that's a a bit of a callback there. You know, there's uh, they don't look like they're real games though. They definitely look like they were kind of mock ups of, of something. So I I'd be interested to uh, um, do some research maybe, or somebody wants to do some research and find out about those games. What if there was something significant about those games? Yeah, it's it. it, it... <laughs> definitely does like question a lot but then again you know these are things that they usually bring up like on deleted scenes or behind the scenes and stuff mm-hmm. like that uh i don't know if you noticed but uh netflix has been releasing their uh shows on blu-ray more and more now <clears throat> it took them almost two years for them to put daredevil season one on blu-ray and then lately they i just found jessica jones luke cage so i had to pick those up um but I have a funny feeling that that's their new thing. It's like they they want to break in to make more money on this market, right? They want they want to have that hard that that hard uh, uh, media as well as the streaming media. I think so. 
Well, that's how they started out. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I remember again, we were talking uh, before about, uh, you know, one of the things that like, was it, it was it nine 11 or was it I, one of the times I was deployed, I had one of their movies was sent to me on disc. And so it sat for like six months until uh, six or seven months until I came home and I had no way to tell somebody that, hey, can you go get my mail and send back this Netflix disc? And in fact, this was back when they kept your credit card on file. And I think I got charged like 70 bucks or something like that for this movie. And uh, now they worked it out. I, I'm not going to I'm not slamming Netflix because they worked it out. Once I did get back to the States and got everything uh, figured out, I, I emailed them and, and said, hey, I, I've been deployed with active duty military can we do something about this charge and they're like send us back the disc and so i sent them back the disc and they reversed the charge and but uh, it was it was kind of a funny thing and i can't remember what movie it was it was like seven samurai or something like that it was a it was a, a movie that that i really wanted to watch but of course i got sent overseas before i could yeah so. well they're actually been pretty good about that but the funny thing is that they would charge you like 70 dollars, but usually it's like per month I yeah. While you were gone, maybe ten bucks a month, <laughs> and the funny thing is, the cost of the the DVD would still be like ten bucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Back yeah. In the it day, was, like, it, you know, what it was is like being charged like uh, the old VHS rentals when they used to sell those for like eighty dollars or a hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah. That's what this. That's what this was. This wasn't the monthly charge. This was because this was back in two thousand one, two thousand two. It was really before we had the mass producing of DVDs. Um, you know, now a movie comes out, and six months later they mass produce a bunch of DVDs. But back then, and, and I'm, I'm sure we talked enough with our ages. I remember back in the '80s when you had to wait a year, literally twelve <laughs> months or more, for a movie to leave the theater, and then you could rent it on video, and then you still had to wait another three to six months before the video store might sell it to you as a used copy. Yeah. But it really wasn't until the the, lid, the mid '90s to late '90s that you started seeing mass producing of VHS tapes and movies, and then DVDs broke in. And finally, you know, the, probably the early 2000s, mid 2000s is when you really started to see the, this mass production of DVDs coming out of of movies and people starting to to build their library uh, of of movies, but. Uh, but I, I digress. We're we're uh, well, we lost our our focus. <laughs> stay focused. Yes. Um, so we do. We we open up with this this dream sequence, and as that dream sequence uh, closes out, we see Micro has come to Curtis, and is is needing Curtis to help him uh, fix Frank up because Micro knows that Curtis was a a medic, and so he brings him back to the hideout to do some surgery on Frank. And I thought that was interesting that this is, is this, I think this is the first time that micro and Curtis have actually met. And so he comes to the door and really all micro says is Frank needs your help. Well, and actually, uh, the first time they met was when he gave, uh, Curtis the warning. You're right. You're right. Okay. And, okay. And, so they, but, but he, he's actually meeting him and talking to him and facing up, you know, fessing up that yeah, Frank is alive and they're actually working together, which is really cool. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so he brings he brings you know he brings him back to the hideout and they they do their surgery. Then we get to see a little bit of 
uh, Russo and Madani and their how their relationship and uh, how they're they're in bed together and uh, now this is this is the the next morning after the second night she says she says something like two nights in a row or something like that and and he says well you can't blame the alcohol this time uh, which I thought was another interesting interesting comment with all the the stuff about sexual harassment and and things that have been in the news and and uh, lately but and, uh, yeah and it's a role so, reversal too it is it definitely is because he's kind of the one who's who's taken aback at her aloofness yeah yeah you know she she was she, t- you know taking this as casual <laughs> and he was playing more of the sensitive and being yeah in the L and yeah. The- yeah, she gets on her phone, and he wants to talk serious talk about these files that she's got. She's kind of on her phone, just kind of distracted, going, "No, you're not getting a key." And uh, so she, she, you know, she deepens into exactly where he's going. I think uh, very, very quickly into the conversation, she says, "You're not going to get a key. You're not going to." Kind of in a way, she's saying, "I'm not going to let you in." And he says, "Well, you're keeping secrets," and she says. I'm Homeland Security. Of course, I'm keeping secrets. So, yeah. Um, go ahead. No, no. The uh, and then you know it continues on. Uh, you know, the you get into more about Lewis. Yes, you get into more about Lewis and O'Connor. And I was thinking more today as I as I went back over. I didn't rewatch the episode today, but I was going back over and over it in my mind. And that actor who plays O'Connor does a, a really good job of making us not know exactly how bad O'Connor is. And I don't mean bad as in evil. I mean bad just as in that he's, he's not a good guy. And I don't know if they're, they're trying to stereotype that kind of conspiracy theory, conservative type of person or – but I think he does a really good job of, at first, making us question, well, is this guy really just an, an embittered veteran, or is there something deeper? Is there even a psychosis in this guy? As we're going to learn, there's a psychosis with Lewis. But, you know, and, and then we find out that he, he lied about his medals, that he's lied about his service, that everything, his, his whole persona almost is is a lie and that's kind of i I just i'm not really sure where the show was going was was trying to go with that or they were just uh using him to show us lewis's descent what do you think Uh, i agree uh it's kind of strange but it is uh, it's kind of his perception of lewis's descent you know okay him he, it's him watching that happen. Which okay. Is, you know, yeah, I agree. And uh, that's pretty much as the as the episode progresses. We, like I said, we get a lot of things that kind of uh, close out that you could almost. There's, I, I think, there's probably two or three points in the episode where they could almost have ended it and on it to be continued. And we might get into more of this with our top five uh when we when we get to that because there's there's two or three instances until we get to the actual end of the episode and the big reveal at the end of the episode that uh it actually ends and they could have thrown up a to be continued 
So we should actually hit that top five. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> All right. So my top five, uh, well, starting at five, would be the dream sequence with Frank. In Frank's mind, everyone he gets close to winds up dead or, you know, there's a fear of everything that's going around him of anybody who gets close. So obviously... At that dinner table, everybody is shot. So, and it, it's a constant ringing in Frank's, you know, mind. So that that was an interesting take. Uh, yeah, I like. There's there was something else in that dream sequence that I didn't notice before or didn't think about was the fact that it's actually we have a different look at it because whereas in the earlier dream sequences that we saw with Frank and his wife, we find out that at the, at the end of it, we find out that Frank blames himself for his wife's death to the point where uh, the episode that we discussed first, where he takes the, in the dream, he takes off the mask and it's him who has shot his wife. Whereas in this dream sequence, he's not the attacker. He's, but he's helpless. He's tied to that chair and he's helpless to do anything. And it's almost like, they don't even attack him. Like you would, you would think that would be part of the dream would be them coming after him, but they don't even do that. So we see that, that not only does he, does he blame himself for, for these deaths, he feels that he's helpless to protect them, but he, it's almost like he keeps escaping. So maybe some of a survivor's kind of guilt as well. Yeah, definitely. I would see it that way. Uh, plus, you know, the attackers are the ones that are doing it. Just like you said, and then uh, he's and he feels like he's the one that's causing this because every time he gets close to somebody, those people are going after his, the people he cares about. So absolutely. And then, like you said, he feels helpless, and that's why he's the only one left alive sitting there in every dream sequence or this dream yeah. sequence in particular. Exactly. And, cool. So my number five is is the surgery. That whole surgery scene. That there's there's even kind of the. This show does a good job of balancing the the comedy with the with this these dramatic uh, kind of traumatizing things that are happening and happening and that that quote that Curtis says when uh, Micro says are you just going to pull it out and Curtis is like no I'll do more damage by if if I pull it out I, the only way out is through and then he has to cut he has to cut that that uh, that slice in into Frank so that he can push the arrow all the way through and you see you see micro kind of like we're seeing <laughs> yeah we're seeing micro kind of losing his lunch a little bit he he doesn't actually but he, uh, he, he we're mike we're getting to see more and more of micro that he he's not as stalwart as as Frank is, I, that may be the wrong word that I'm thinking of, but that he's he's not seen as much. He doesn't have the same experiences that Frank has seen. So every time we he goes into a new experience, like when he when they they uh, they go to the car chop shop and he sees the dead body of the guy in the chair, and he's like, "Did you do that?" And Frank's like, "No, I, no, they did that." And, he, and then he goes, "Well, did you do that?" And Frank's like, "Yeah, I did that," you know. <laughs> and uh, and but that whole sequence of of him and Curtis and Curtis kind of saying, "No, I need your help. Do this, do that." And then we got to cauterize the wound, and uh, finally ending up with Micro going, "Okay, are we done now? You want some yep. coffee?" <laughs> yeah, like anybody normally would who's not used to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So, 
What was your number four? Uh, my number four would be, uh, well, Billy and Madani in the bed. And yeah. how uh, Bill can't trust Madani, even after sex. But just that whole change and, you know, and, and the sexes and how it, you know, winds Normally. up. <laughs> like those one-night stands or even just like mm-hmm. just taking something casually. It's a reversal of roles. And yeah, it's like you you know Bill Billy's like like kind of tough in general, but to to see him like be you know a little oh a little bit sensitive, and then yeah, her, and- like him shrug, her shrugging it off, going yeah, like like you said before, yeah, you're not getting a key, <laughs> right? It. Yeah, yeah, it's it's an interesting. It is a role reversal too from what we've seen from him because remember, there's that scene with with the human Frank when when he Frank's talking about his wife and and he says, well, Russo, you need to do that. You need to settle down. And he's like, oh, and I would deprive all the women of my of my yep. whatever, you know. And and uh, so we know that he's been kind of that that player kind of guy, but here with Madani, it almost seems like he thought there might be something more. There and I don't know how how true that is, though, because at the same time, I, I think it's kind of telling that he says to her she can't lie, and we know by the end of the episode or later on that he's kind of lying about what's going on as well. So they're really using each other, and and he. Like you said, he he gets that role reversal that he's able to kind of be taken aback by it and play the the sensitive. I'm reminded that there's a scene in in the movie Serenity where the the bad guy uh, faces uh, the captain of of the Firefly and he says he he says if I if I give you money you'll claim umbrage and and take the higher road whereas if i if i attack you you'll do this and and it's kind of like billy's weighing out his options what can i do here okay she's being kind of aloof so i can be sensitive here and and play that kind of card maybe i'm not sure if if that's if that's where they were going with that or I, I like the idea of the role reversal, the idea that he's he's got more invested in this relationship than she does. Yeah, well I think it'll if you look at where where Billy is at now, he's working for a company and he settled himself in after the war or being from overseas mm-hmm. and and, and uh, all that battle. So now he's trying to settle himself down, so even though he's still being a little bit twisted in his own yeah. way he's still trying to act like have a normal lifestyle like what he saw frank have when they were together and, and deployed yeah so, yeah okay yeah that, that that was my view on it but okay very uh, good very good what was your number four uh mine was was madani's uh investigative powers when she's in the woods there it's the typical kind of almost like that police detective scene with a murder scene where she's she sees the aftermath of this this uh, this confrontation, and she knows exactly what happened, even to the point where when her partner says, "Well, they attacked a, a special forces soldier on his ground," and she corrects him and goes, "No, two. There were two of them here because somebody dragged his body out." So I I, I really like that, and she she really walks through the whole scene of what happened just in that short 
glance or that that short uh, look that she had of the whole scene she's looking at the trees and how they're shot apart she's looking at the casings she's looking at the blood spatter and all that and so her her investigative powers were really uh, really interesting to see those at work oh cool awesome uh my number three uh well, Frank and Micro getting closer to th- during Thanksgiving, the trade-off of how they celebrated. <laughs> yeah. That was kind of humorous to listen to, but it's like, he goes, oh, did the old lady uh, cook your, you know, and then he goes, no, no, it was half. It was like we were yeah. a team, and she, uh, she would do this, and I would do that, and then, you know, and then Frank would go on about his obviously, and then he, he was useless, I guess. <laughs> yeah, well, it was an interesting thing, because it, it's almost like Frank's trying to search for something to to say that he did, but he really didn't do much, because he just kind of goes, well, you know, she she did all this stuff, and then the, the grandmother would come in with the meatballs, and uh, there was always meat there and everything, and, and so it's, it's an interesting... Um, kind of uh back and forth between them about about what it was and him and frank doesn't really say if they just had family or what it was but micro goes oh it was a big thing we'd have family extended family everybody would be together everybody would come to to us and and we were kind of the central focus that was kind of interesting too yeah yeah that's cool okay uh um Yes, I think my number three, it kind of goes along with the investigative uh, powers of um, uh, Madani when she's talking to her partner. But it's also the, just the fact that she basically reveals to the world that Frank is alive without realizing it, even though she tells him to kind of keep it quiet. But she, she tells him to take the blood and get the, the DNA processed, and he comes back with... The fact that, oh, it is Frank's DNA. So now we have the lab techs. We have the people that process those reports. They all know that Frank Castle is alive because they've seen those reports. And and then he makes that joke about where do you find dead Marines? And he goes, he's not on Facebook or Tinder. I checked. <laughs> so um, I thought that was that was pretty funny that uh, he makes that that kind of side uh, side joke there, yeah. uh, but doesn't include grinder like we talked about before. Yeah. Um, so, uh, are we to your number two? Uh, yeah. Uh, well, Curtis bailing out Lewis, and then yeah. Bill t- talking to Curtis. Yeah, that whole thing was interesting too, as. As him revealing O'Connor's deception and the the fact that Curtis got the information and I, I don't think it's as accessible as what I don't and, and maybe in their that universe it is, but it's not that accessible to just anybody. You have to know a social security number, you have to know who to call and to get their DD-214, the DD-214 is the form you get when you are discharged from the military. And it lists all of your medals and all of your uh, locations where you served are usually all on that, that piece of paper. And uh, so, so you can tell that he got that information about O'Connor somehow. 
Now, I, I maybe through the the veterans group, if O'Connor gave his real social security number, uh, he could have gotten that and then passed it on to Lewis. But uh, even when Lewis goes and confronts O'Connor about it, O'Connor says, well, where did you get that? You got that off the internet? Well, you know, the, the Jews control the internet. And, uh, oh, yeah. So we start to see we start yeah we start to see more of his racism and more of his his uh, kind of twisted view of the world come out. Oh yeah, uh, and then, and it is a little deception too of like him never serving and mm-hmm. you and I talked about this before, but you know it's the the fact that he actually put in and and all that 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 to me is you know still. Nope. It's it's still worth the level of respect. Now, what he did was still wrong. I mean, it's still stolen glory and and things like that. Correct. Uh, but it's still just the fact that he he did something. And and I I saw a statistic years ago that I, I've always I always find interesting that if you if you take the population of the United States and the population of those who served, it's it's like one or two percent. Yeah, of, of the entire population has served, and that that kind of blew my mind. The fact that that uh, that many pe- that many people owe that few people what what the way they live, and, and uh, I don't want to get political in it, but well, yeah, uh, honestly, anybody who even just you know you got those guys who serve partially, um, yeah, you know they. They did their, you know, they would go in, they would go in, do their time, and then they would train, and then they would be uh, deployed out for X amount for whatever tour, and then come back and then work a regular job. Yeah. And, you know, you got to give those people respect, too. Exactly. My friend Don did that, Mm -hmm. but uh, he wound up making a career out of it. And, you know, I, you know, I respect him even more now. He's like, he's made that his life, but now he, you know, he still has a family and everything. He got married, had kids, you know, he's got his own thing, even while still being, you know, making that his work. But like you said, there's only like a certain percentage of those people that do go out there in America. And then mind you, you have other countries out there that require you to do that as part of being a citizen in that country. Yeah, like in England, you have you're you're required at a certain point to do X amount for military services, I believe, and then there are other countries too, right? Uh, right. You know, you know, but uh, with us, it's it's one of those where you have that choice. Well, unless you get drafted, but yeah. <laughs> we haven't seen that in how many years? Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, uh, but the fact is, is that you know, it's you, you got to give those people respect out there, honestly. Yeah, but uh, very good. I'm, what we're on two my number two uh yeah and i was just looking back over my notes i think my number two would be curtis uh, and his goat story and when i when i first heard that him the fact that they gave him a goat to train uh, to do his medical training on i i kind of i kind of just shrugged it off and didn't think about it but uh, i did some google research last week and discovered that it was only it was up until 20 about 2013 i think uh, did I put it the date in my notes? I didn't, but it was it was around 2013, I think, that the U.S. Army or the Department of Defense actually did stop live tissue testing. Like they actually live tissue training, sorry, is what they called it, where they actually had goats and they would give goats to these medical trainees, and then they would, you know, basically wound and do different things to the goats 
in order to train these medical, these uh, interns and these guys that were going to be field medics on how to treat wounds and how to, to keep somebody alive. Hmm. And uh, I thought that was interesting that, that they actually did that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so that, that's would be my number two, just that story. And then finding out that that's actually is true that they did that. Hmm. Yeah. That would uh, keep all those people <laughs> that are against <laughs> animal cruelty. Uh, uh, you know, but at least they stopped that in 2013. You know, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they stopped it. I don't. I don't know. I'm. I'm. Uh, I'm back and forth about it myself because I'm sure if I was a if I was a soldier who'd been wounded on the the field of battle, I'd be very glad to know that that the guy who's who's teaching me knows how to do something. Like do that. The, do yeah. something like that right on a live moving kind of thing. But at the same time, I feel it's it's still cruel to the animal to to do. Yeah. So. Yeah, well, it, it would be understanding if it was that towards the end of the animal's life and they were dying. Mm-hmm. You know, right, and then they would have to do something like that just to test it, but be, to bring healthy ones out mm-hmm. there, you know. Yeah, exactly. Honestly, but honestly, you know, it's like you know we. Uh, so okay. where are we at? Are we at your number, number one? one. Yeah, okay. we're actually at number one. That was fast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Bill constantly trying to reach Frank on the CB. Um, you know, with the Blackbird to Raven, and you actually brought this up, and you told me what it was. And it was in, you know, you, uh, it was pretty much like from First Blood. Right, the, the movie First Blood, right. Yeah, and, uh, you know, Raven being Frank and Blackbird being, uh... Russo. Russo, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's interesting, too, that scene in, you know, the scene in First Blood with Trotman calling out to, to Rambo that way, he's doing it in order for... They're trying to get a response from Rambo so they can triangulate his position so they can they can attack him. And it's kind of the same thing. Russo is trying to bring Frank out into the light, and in both cases, it basically works. They, uh, they do track down uh, Rambo from that radio transmission, and Frank does finally – we don't hear it on screen or see the scene on screen – but Micro does make that mention to him. He says, you know, do you trust this guy? And Frank says, yes, I trust him. And so Micro says, well, maybe you should answer him. And then the next thing we see, we see him meeting with Frank and setting up this meeting at the wharf. Him telling Frank, well, you need to just come to the, the, the pier tonight, the wharf. I, I'll get you out of the country. I'll get you a new identity. I'll get you a passport. and I'll get you doing – to me, it sounds like he's, he's offering Frank uh, a position with Anvil to be a mercenary basically is what he's, what he's doing. And so that leads right to my number one, which is the big reveal at the end. As we as we see that wharf scene where Frank doesn't show up, yep. but who is there? Rollins is there in the SUV, and Russo gets in, and and we see Rollins, and Russo says uh, he's not coming, huh. and uh, so uh, it led me to a question that uh, that I, I think is is pretty easy to answer. That that was a setup. That was Russo was actually setting him up to frank up to be killed yep. on that wharf uh i i can only assume because that's what rollins or maybe at least captured 
maybe all Rollins wanted to do was capture him to torture him and find out what he knows or who he told. And uh, Frank rightly doesn't show up. And I'm I'm scratching my head now because I didn't rewatch the episode. What was what was Frank doing that he didn't go there? <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> was he just with Micro, or he? I think he was just maybe maybe he was just with with Micro and. Uh, uh, I, I thought still... it was his wife that he was with. Uh, yes, wife. that's right. He went. He went to meet, and he met the wife when she when uh, when she's had too much to drink. Yes. Right, and she says late at night. It's late at night, and I'm letting a man uh, a man in my in my home, and that's that's. That's it. That's where he was at. So, and I, I guess seeing her convinces him to not leave the country and to go back to to continue to help Micro out. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So that was pretty good. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Um. As far as notes go, the uh, the little altercation between O'Connor and Lewis. I don't think either one of us mentioned that today, but that altercation in o'connor's house yeah it, it it seems like when when lewis walks into the house you can see him kind of flexing his 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 fists and kind of rubbing his knuckles and yep. and he he was he had definitely planned on doing some damage i think to yeah, to he O'Connor. Did a lot of damage yeah he ended up doing a lot more damage uh i think you know there's a there's a point in that fight when he probably could have claimed some level of self-defense but that when he just goes crazy and just continues stabbing that's uh yeah that that was pure blind rage mm-hmm. and that's somebody who who with what he was going through and then his convictions taking yeah. over has gone over the edge uh yeah. you know that's something that you know is sad to see. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to see anybody like that. But I've I've known people that were in military and have seen major combat and were scarred. Yeah. So and uh, I I actually had to talk to somebody because you know where I work, the guy was coming in and he was putting his gun in the locker and I'm like, dude, you can't do that. Put that in your lockbox in your car. <laughs> I had to go tell him to do that, and he, yeah. he, it was kind of like when it, he goes, oh, I just came from the range. I'm like, all right, put your jacket on, put your, yeah. your holster inside, and go back outside. Yeah. Please do that. It's it's not good. You can't have it on company property. I don't yeah. want to see you get in trouble. He goes, oh, you're going to yeah. get me in trouble? I'm like, no, I respect what you've done for this country, and I respect that you like to continue to use it, but please go out. You can't. Yeah, well, no, and, and I'm I'm like I'm not the I carry every day I, I conceal carry every day and and the place I work in fact because we have a childcare in the building they they like the fact that that I'm there because they know and we've had we've had some people come in I praise the Lord I've never had to to do anything um, but we have had people come in who we've had to call the cops to to come get them or we've had people come in who have been. Uh, belligerent and irate and um so there are times we had a in fact we had just had an incident a few months last year about six months ago i think where the the cops were chasing a couple of guys who had been involved in an armed robbery and they came onto our property and they were on our the back property of our our building and the the cops were out there chasing them and so they had the child care all the kids were 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 huddled up in a, in a room in protection it was it happened to be a day that I wasn't working 
so that's I, I got a little bit of ribbing about that. Uh, the one day when we've got cops and bad guys running around, you're you're not here. So <laughs> oh, I, I have a license too, which is concealed carry. But yeah. The thing is, is like I said, I'm I'm not a, I'm not a big huge fan of a gun, mm-hmm. and you know the reasons why I got you know I I got my father's guns because when he passed away, but yeah. you know it's like I don't take it out that often. It's it's very rare when I do, mm-hmm. and it's usually just going to the gun range. But right. you know, I I would keep it in my car in the lockbox. I wouldn't have it on me. Yeah. But I guess my my point my my point of saying all that was I here the state that I live in. If if a, a business owner is allowed to put up a sign to say they don't they don't want it in their they don't want you to carry in their facility, I usually choose not to patron those stores. If oh, okay. if they don't want me as a patron in there, and if uh, if there is something happens and I need to go to those places, depending on what I'm able to, if I'm able to leave it in my car, I will do that um, because I, I want to respect that business owner. They're the choice, but I also still want to protect myself. So if it's like the Seven Eleven that I'm just running in to use the ATM, and that's a place that I know bad things happen sometimes at the Seven Eleven. Yeah. Well, I just kind of walk past their sign, and <laughs> they don't know they don't know that I have it because it's concealed. So well, and you're licensed, you're allowed to exactly that exactly. Well, that that sign and the sign is just a suggestion unless unless they're a a federally protected or state protected, which I really uh, doubt that a seven. No, no, Seven Eleven isn't. Isn't um, you know federal buildings, state buildings, capital buildings, schools, those kind of places are are protected by law. So I, yeah. I respect I respect that. So uh, where, where you live, the laws are actually a bit uh, not as lenient in New York. They are, yeah, Ooh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They they're more restrictive and. Uh, even in Connecticut, Connecticut's even worse after uh, Sandy Hook and everything, and mm-hmm. after that devastation. And uh, you know, I feel bad for that. That you know, yeah, the anniversary came up and everything else. So yeah. Uh, on another note, moving on with notes, um, I just had a quick one. I, I think I, we talked a little bit about this before. Um, if you watch the scene where Russo meets with Madani. Uh, uh, another spot on the wharf, on the the water there. That's kind of interesting. I, I know it's New York City, but I didn't realize there were that many places that were on the river. Uh, but he meets with Madani, and his car has suicide doors, has those doors that open backwards. <laughs> uh, I thought that was kind of interesting. That that I noted that it's kind of it's an interesting choice uh, for for that character uh, to have that kind of a car. But uh, that's a, that's another one of those interesting scenes too between the two of them that he says. Uh, he says something like, I-, "I like this. I like her. You know, I like you being direct with me and being honest." Uh, but this is a clandestine. I-, I didn't think a clandestine. Uh, what did he say? A clandestine meeting uh, would would include just us talking to each other. You know, <laughs> um, it's pretty so. funny how you bring up the whole suicide doors things. I I have a Honda Element, and I get yelled at by a lot of my friends. Are like, or if I I went out with this one woman late. <laughs> A long time ago, and she goes, "Great, you have suicide doors." I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I said, "Yeah, but I have this," and it was like a thing to knock out the window. And I'm like, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she goes, "You also nice. have a hunting knife in the back too. Should I be worried?" <laughs> I'm like, "No, no." I said, "That's just I." I said, there's, "There's no law against that in New York State to carry like to have like a regular hunting knife within." The proper inches of you know <laughs> yeah, what it is yeah. and everything. Well, that's else. good to know. 
<laughs> but uh, did you? <laughs> no, it made me laugh, and I, I yeah. laugh when people are like, "Oh, oh God!" <laughs> did you, uh, so? Did you have any notes? Anything outside of your top five that we haven't brought up? Not really. No, I I, I brought up everything, and uh, when you you brought up the idea of the whole first blood thing, that you know, that just brought a lot of memories <laughs> of watching mm-hmm. that movie, yeah. and then. And of course, uh, the book when I read it years later when I was in high school. Uh, yeah, I, I, saw, I, I saw First Blood on VHS because my uncle was one of those guys who used to get all the movies, and he'd have a copy, and then we go to his house and watch it on VHS. Yeah, and you're talking like in the early early eighties, like eighty, eighty one, or whatever when they first came out. Yeah, uh, yeah, I remember I, being in being in high school. Uh, the same kind of thing. I had a, a, a one of the guys uh, that I kind of ran around with who uh, wanted to wanted to be a Green Beret, and uh, he he had that whole speech at the end that uh, that Sylvester Stallone gives. He had that memorized, and he would quote that uh, very often. That uh, you know that that whole thing. I can't even get a, a job parking cars. That that kind of thing. Um, so it's a. Gas. <laughs> brings back a lot of brings back a lot of memories when I when I hear that and start to think about that kind of stuff. So yeah, especially um, since they changed the ending to that movie in comparison to the book. From the book, which is interesting. Again, and this is this is pop cultureish, not really Punisher. Punisher, but uh, yeah. David Morrell, who wrote wrote the book First Blood, uh, actually wrote the novelization of the movie. Uh, the first blood, the first the, the movie, but he also wrote the novelization of the second movie. Not the, the novel for it, but like the, the somebody else wrote the screenplay. He he wrote when they novelized it. He wrote the book, and I remember reading his prologue to that. And he said the in that and I hadn't read First Blood when I read this when I saw the movie and, and read the second the second book. In in his prologue, he mentions the fact that in his book. Rambo dies at the at the end, but the reason he came back and wanted to write the the novelization of the second movie was because he wanted the character to be captured properly and so he agreed to write that that novelization and i actually have a, several of his books on my uh my bookshelf um that that he wrote uh years years later and i'm trying to find one now but i can't um, so uh and i actually kept up and read read a couple more of his his books that are 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 really good. So that's cool. Yeah, yeah. like I said, you know, this, this, you know, what we podcast about might be predominantly about the, you know, comics turned to Netflix shows, movies, cartoons, whatever. But you know, we everything is pop culture now. <laughs> exactly. We, exactly. Is related in some way. Uh, I I I have to laugh when I watch the Flash and they talk about Marvel characters and stuff like that. They actually mentioned Spider-Man and stuff. I'm like, what the? <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, and then you talk about how it's like, you know, uh, the guy got sick uh, when uh, Micro got sick and everything. <laughs> so you look like, yeah, it's like there was a, in the most recent Flash, uh, they had Plastic Man. <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, well, it's like you, you brought up in, in the previous, the episode, uh, the third episode that we talked about, uh, and I haven't seen Spider-Man Homecoming, but you said there's a scene in there where the guy's talking about being the guy in the chair. Yep. And uh, uh, Micro was talking about that same thing with Frank, is that every missile's got to have a guidance system. Exactly. Uh, so. Yeah, because everything comes around, but that's all from the same universe in itself but right the fact that they actually bring that up though in these movies in this show about you know it's like they need that one person 
and mm-hmm. and I I look at other shows that were similarly written. Uh, you always had the Scooby Gang for like Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Flash has that. Arrow has its in its own own universe and. Uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., if you watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., they, they have pretty much the same thing. Um, but, you know, and then you'll see that kind of like a consistent thing. But yeah. it's something that everybody relates to. I don't know if they'll ever break <coughs> away from that format of writing, but it seems to be the, the format of writing that works. Yeah, the other thing I like about that about that format is, and I don't I don't know exactly what the makeup of the teams are on Flash and Arrow, but I, I seem to recall a little bit that um, there's only one or two that actually have superpowers. the The rest are just regular humans who have been swept up into their kind of uh, their world, yeah. you know, like the like the guy in the chair. And one of my favorite scenes, <clears throat> excuse me, one of my favorite scenes from Buffy. The Vampire Slayer was in, I think it's the fifth season, when they're they're fighting Glory and the the British people are there and they're telling Buffy that they're going to stop helping her and uh, and she says, well, no, you're going to start helping me because I'm I'm the superhero basically and and you guys are just the watchers and uh, and she says and this is my team and they're like, well, you know, and she goes she goes through her team and she says a, a werewolf. A thousand-year-old demon, two powerful witches, and uh, and then uh, she gets to Xander, and the guy says, uh, "Well, Xander, he's just a he, he's just a normal guy." And she goes, "The boy, or he goes in the boy." He says, "What about the boy?" And she says, "Well, the boy has clocked more field time than any of you put together." And yeah, and he's part of the unit. And uh, I, I remember there was a, probably one of my favorite quotes was uh, Willow says something like, "That's Riley." And Xander goes, I've clocked field time, <laughs> you know. So, so I, I love that fact that they surround them with, uh, with, with just normal people. Yeah, and uh, that's what I always looked for in, in those kind of shows. Is, is uh, you know, who, 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 where would I fit in if I was part of this uh, kind of thing? And would I be just the? I would be just the regular guy who's just, just kind of there, you know. <laughs> so. <clears throat> Really good. Um, so last night was the Super Bowl, <laughs> yeah. and we saw the trailer for Infinity War. Did you see that trailer? I kind of like was in like online watching and between, but I caught parts of it. And to see, I saw what uh, Captain America has like some weird Wakandan shield now. Yeah, yeah, I I like it. It looks like they're bringing everybody, everybody from the whole entire MCU, just about, or at least the movie MCU is yes. is being brought into it. The Guardians of the Galaxy are going to be there. Thor is there, and I guess Thor has an eye patch now. Yeah, who well, is that, he? I, that that well, you if Thor Ragnarok comes out tomorrow on Blu-ray. But it's okay. already on digital download, so you could get it on iTunes and all. I that. may have to go pick it up. I may have to go pick it up and see how that how that happened. I heard it was really good. I never got to see it in the theater. I, so. I got it on iTunes, and then I I ordered my steel book. I'm picking that up tomorrow. Nice. Well, no, actually, Wednesday when I go back to work. <laughs> nice. But, I have yeah, I have the John Wick steel books. The, so <laughs> those are actually really good shows. Uh, that, I I like I was, those movies. I love those movies and. Uh, I don't. I don't know if we spoke about this last time, uh, but 
uh, since we're on the Punisher now, we're talking about it. But John Bernthal was in Baby Driver. And, yes, he was, and that was a really, really good. I that movie blew me away. I was, I was. Everybody kept talking about it, and I just didn't go see it in the theater. And then uh, I was able to watch it online, and you know, and I'm like, wow, this is actually a really good movie, and I like the soundtrack. Yeah, the, and then yeah, the I he had John Hamm in there, and uh, who else? Uh, Kevin Spacey, um, uh, Elia Gonzalez. Um, Jamie Foxx was in there too. Jamie Foxx is in there. Yeah, um, it's 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 really good. I we uh, buddy of mine and I went and saw it at the theater, and both came out. And I I think we actually went back and saw it again at, in the theater. Like it's one of the few movies I've I've recently gone back to to see twice in the theater. And I now that I have it on on disc, I think I've watched it about three times. You know, it's uh, the only the only problem I have with that movie is. It it seems like he gets a pretty light sentence for all the. Yes, he finally brought the bad guy in, but man, he did a lot of stuff in that. Oh, a lot of damage in that town. <laughs> you know, uh, and he was an accessory to quite a bit. But um, but hey, that's a it's a movie, and that's uh, that's what it's really really all about. But yeah, Baby Driver, I've got the soundtrack for it as well, and I listened to it. Oh, I haven't. I didn't get the soundtrack, but I like the idea of the music within it. Uh, it just yeah. kind of remind, uh, reminded me of Shoot 'Em Up. Mm-hmm. Another so, good one. Another good and, one. Paul and, Giamatti. Yeah, and uh, I I was actually liked that movie a lot. A lot of people don't ever recall that or even want to even revisit that movie. <laughs> oh, I like it. I've watched it. I haven't watched it recently, but I I I've got it on disc and I've I've watched it a couple of times. Like I said, that's uh the the scenes with Paul Giamatti are, are pretty funny when he's talking about the the whole turn signal thing or is it Clive Owen who was talking about it? One of them was talking about putting your turn signal on. All you got to do is move your hand just a little bit, and that turns your turn signal on. And uh, the the scene at the end when Clive Owen sets up all the all the guns to all the traps with the guns is is uh, is really good. Yeah, there, there's so many movies out there and so many things. It's pretty funny. <laughs> it's like you can yeah. always relate to one to the other. But the, yep. it just reminded me of that because it was pretty much like watching an action packed you know, music video in right. a sense, yeah. uh, you know, and uh, I really like how they've worked it out. Very well. It written. was very, very reminiscent of our '80s movies that I, I've joked about. That a lot of '80s movies are just uh, music, music videos, really long music videos. You know, because there, there's so much music in them. If you go back to Rocky Three, if you go back to a lot of these '80s movies, there's there's just so much music in them. It's almost like it's just one long music video. Yeah, but not in a sense where, in this case, it, it was him playing the music, and it's what he's listening to. Right. Uh, you know, with Shoot 'Em Up, it pretty much was is like set up almost like an '80s film, action film with music. So yeah. think about what what if they actually did that with Predator <laughs> throughout the whole movie? You know? <laughs> yeah, there is some movies where it doesn't work. There is there Poor is Commando. some. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you've got Roadhouse. That you know, like Roadhouse was was definitely the the soundtrack uh, took had part of that oh, with yeah. it. And uh, there's a few like I said Rocky 3 is is one that stand Rocky 3 and Rocky 4 uh really I think are the two that stand out to me the most. The Karate Kid movies, there's a there's a, a several long scenes in those that are just a long music video. They almost take the the music video and shoot it. Risky business. Uh, this, I remember hearing Bob Seger complain about the fact that uh, there was too much of Tom Cruise dancing around in his I'm music worried. video. <laughs> yeah. 
So, uh, been really good. And the Black Panther movie looks like it's going to be pretty good. I've I've heard some good talk about it. Oh yeah, uh, excited. Definitely. And then uh, a lot of people are asking too because in our group when we talk about the Z Heads group, somebody mm-hmm. was talking about, hey, what's this Castle Rock thing? <laughs> yeah, like, I didn't realize that was coming out. Yeah, uh, Mark Bernardin was the writer on that. Okay. And uh, it, it just centralizes all King's books into one town. So, you you know, you could have Pennywise talking to uh, the guy from Stand, you know, Flag. Now, is that is that going to be an Amazon show, or where is that? Uh, I think it's on one of the cable affiliates. I'm not sure. Um, I, 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 I got to look more into that. But, you know, they... I I caught a glimpse of it. I, I went to the bathroom, came out, and it was towards the end of it. I'm like, oh darn, I gotta watch that later. So yeah, I never really did, but uh, the uh, you know it was interesting. I'm like, oh, finally there. I was wondering when this was coming out because I knew about this like months ago, like you know, like eight months ago. Yeah, uh, yeah, I hadn't heard about it. Um, also, they they released that Westworld season two is April. Yeah, I saw that in the in the trailer. I don't know if that's been said before. Yeah, but I, it's so funny though. I remember when that came out originally, because uh, you got we don't have like HBO or Cinemax or anything like that mm-hmm. here. <clears throat> we don't subscribe to that, but we had it for a week, and uh, I think I've watched the first two episodes, and that's how I got hooked on to uh, Westworld. Oh, nice! I, I wound up, uh, you know, being able to get it on Blu-ray with. You know the digital copy and everything, so I, I was, kind of want I kind of want to buy that buy those discs just to, um, just to see the extras that are on it. Oh yeah, you know um, I, I haven't even gotten through all of them, but the music in it is really cool. Um, I, I'm a big music buff in that sense, yeah. but they revised certain songs in it to be more of a westerny. Right. Or, yeah. Or no. I I watched. Um, I've watched. The, I watched. I I went ahead and, and got. It's it's kind of funny. Actually, did same. Not well. Not the same kind of thing. I I went ahead and added HBO to my my cable package to watch to watch Game of Thrones, and I really only made it through the first about four seasons of Game of Thrones, but I've watched all of Westworld, and I'm rewatching Westworld with the uh, with the other uh, podcast. That uh, is being is being done on Westworld from the Podcastic Network. So yeah, with Jason and uh, uh, Karen's husband. Yeah. Yes. It, I haven't gotten to to really listen to that yet. I really want to. They, it's good. Yeah, I actually brought it up to Jason because being Westworld the way it was, it was based off of I don't know if it was a book. I think Michael Crichton. It was. It was a yeah. It was a Michael Crichton book. Yeah, I've never read it. I've never read it. No, you know, I, I don't think it was a book. I think he just wrote the screenplay for it. And no, he, was in it. he was actually in was it. Was it? Yeah, he was in the original movie. He was in. Uh, I did not know that. Yeah, he played the reporter uh, at oh, the wow. very beginning. And yeah, they, uh, the, the movie came out, and then they did Future World, and then they actually did a TV pilot for 1980 or 81. Mm hmm. Uh, and I seen that on YouTube, and I was like, "Oh wow!" And like, I've got yeah, I've got both uh, Westworld and Future World on on Blu-ray. I think I know I've got Westworld on Blu-ray. I'm not sure if the if the Future World is Blu-ray or just DVD. Uh, but yeah, I, I remember that movie as a kid, watching it and just and just being fascinated by it and, okay. and by everything about it, and that was really good. 
that was always played on, uh, you know, in New York, they had this thing on Sundays. They would play older movies. It would always be like, or they would have a, a marathon of like Planet of the Apes and things like that mm -hmm. when I was like a little kid. And then Westworld would be one of those movies, and I always watched it. My, yeah. My father liked it because, well, obviously it was like more of like a Western, but modern. And then he had Yul Brenner as, you know, the... <laughs> The bad yeah. guy, you know, and then uh, oddly enough, in the the actual show itself, uh, if you watch if you watch the show, that you could see uh, when they go into the where they keep the older robots. Uh huh. Uh, in yeah, world. there's there's one down there. Yeah. yeah. Yep, that's him. That, that yeah. they have him in the back and as a silhouette, and it's a callback to that. I try to explain to Jason. I said he might want to revisit the movie and watch it and do a review on the off time for that, but. Uh, I think yeah. they did. They did do one originally when, uh, or did they? They, they talked about it. Uh, him and Karen, I think, or him and David did it uh, on like the first two or three episodes, and then they went back to their regular routine for Walking Dead cast. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. Him and Karen did one where they talked about the original movie. Right. They did. I uh, think so. I thought it was I, about the original. The, the I know that. Show. I know they did the first two episodes, but I thought I. I it's well, maybe they didn't. Maybe they never did. Maybe they just talked about doing it so much that I just assumed it was already. He and he and David on the podcast have talked about doing a going back and doing a a, uh, oh. a, a review of the original Westworld movie, and because there's there's certain elements of the timeline that you can kind of of think that the movie is part of this universe that the TV show is in. Yeah. The way they, the way they talk about there being an accident, but it also could be what the, the whole first season is about as well. So it's a, the, the, the show plays a lot with the time element of it. So if you ever do get to watch all of it, it's a, there's a lot of, of back and forth in different time periods. I don't oh. want to spoil too much for, Anybody for people listening? on that. If yeah. they yeah if they haven't if they haven't watched Westworld, uh, it's the just TV something show. that I yeah it's like yeah I'm sure you and I both agree we recommend it to anybody out there who's interested in these. Oh absolutely things. it's yeah and I love it it's a great it's a it's a great I've finished I've watched the whole first season and like I said I'm rewatching it now, um, with that. And then t you were talking about Black Panther and that looks like it's going to blow everything away. It looks like it ho hopefully it opens up more doors. Yeah. You know, that that to me, it's like, I never thought of him as a major character to come out, but now it's like, honestly, we need more African-American <laughs> style, uh, you know, heroes. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Air. You know, we got Black Lightning on TV, and uh, if we got Black Panther, you know, he's not African, but, you know, he comes from Wakanda and all that, but yeah, honestly, more more black superheroes. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm hoping. Uh, I I read something about it, but uh, it was an old Marvel comic where you had uh, two characters. One was a girl and a cloak and dagger. And, okay, yeah, yeah, and cloak was a black man too. Mm -hmm. But also, we have Spawn coming out eventually. Yeah, and I saw the I saw the screen. Uh, I think you did, or somebody reposted the the pictures of Brie Larson from uh, the Captain Marvel movie that's going to be coming out they're doing the the female captain marvel yeah um yeah that, so there's that, a there's that looks a lot of too. a lot of diversity 
Um, I'm excited for the Han Solo movie in uh, in on Memorial Day coming out. That's uh, that's going to be exciting uh, to see. Yeah, that that I don't, I didn't get to see that one. I missed out on that one. Oh, okay, the trailer was really good. It, it's it shows it. Uh, they don't they didn't put Donald Glover a lot in the trailer, but he definitely looks looks good as a young kind of Lando Calrissian. It it uh, it's definitely. I read an article today where they were talking about the fact that the director or the writer, one of them, has said we're going to get the explanation of where his name comes from. That that Han Solo's name is there's a, a reason for it it's not it's not just his name oh wow like, it's either a pseudonym or it's it's a handle that he was given and we're going to learn that in the movie is what they're what they said so hmm. uh, i'm 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 excited for it i really um i like that character and i'm excited to see what they what they do with it and if they're able to do more of these star wars stories i i i like the as much as people may not like the fact that disney bought it disney really has has taken it and they're gonna uh they're gonna make it their own yeah well they're gonna ride that horse until it (laughs) until it dies they're gonna get as much money as they can out of it oh they're buying everything out so they already bought marvel star wars the muppets (laughs) what else exactly (laughs) exactly so and now Very WB, exciting. I think too. Or Any uh, oh, did they? Yeah, that'll they, be interesting. Well, they they bought out a portion of Warner Brothers, uh, uh, a lot of their catalog, but um, okay, and that included the X Men. So, oh wow! Yeah, I remember we talked about that. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm curious of when and how they would actually bring that into the universe. Are they going right. to rewrite all these characters as new? They'll probably just introduce them in as part of another movie. Like, uh, they'll do, like, Miss Marvel, and then they'll have Rogue come out and maybe take some of her powers or something. I don't know, because uh, that's what happened in the original comic books. Rogue okay. winds up sucking out uh, Miss Marvel's powers. That's why okay. she's got uh, – she has extreme strength. She could fly, and she's you, – you can't, you know, penetrate her skin. Okay, yeah, I hadn't – I, I'll be honest. I haven't really kept up with the Marvel comics, um, even from when I was. I mean, even when I was a kid, it's been it's been so long, and they've they've done so much with that X Men universe that they almost have to just would have to just start from scratch if they do bring them into oh, the yeah. Marvel the, the 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 current MCU. So, so we could move on to other news, which I have. Uh... Uh, being Walking Dead fans, we like Robert Kirkman's, you know, main show, Walking Dead. Yes. Uh, and then uh, he's actually coming out with a new comic. Uh, it's coming out, I think, this month or next month. It's called Oblivion Song, and it's a different take. And actually, it's funny too, considering the Eagles have won and they are in Philadelphia. It's regarding uh, something a happening that happened in Philadelphia, where an alien kind of uh, dimension is part of Philadelphia, and that's what it's calling. It's like they call it the Oblivion or, or this area. And then you have somebody that goes in and takes whatever is from that area into his own, from what I've read. Hmm. And, and it's like uh, it's how they're able to control between both areas and then explore that other area that's been from that dimension area. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, so it's it's something new. I, I recommend it. 
Yeah. Uh, we I, uh, go ahead. I, no, I just I just picked up. Uh, I'm a big Iron Maiden fan, and I didn't realize they came out with their comic book finally. So oh wow! So it's based on Eddie. Uh, I'm not thrilled with the writing. Uh, as a fan, but uh, it's based upon a video game that they put out for you know mobile devices, and mm-hmm. uh, it, it's pretty cool to see him in all these different guises uh, from every album artwork, and uh, you know the artwork is really good. The writing I'm not a fan of, but the fact that it is based upon that character, finally they actually have him come out right after all these years, and it's something that I had stated a long time ago. But yeah, you know, I'm glad to see that came out. So, and then uh, the only other thing I had was like you know Stan Lee going into the hospital. But you know supposedly he's doing well, and thank goodness. <laughs> Good. I had not I had not heard about that one. Um, I know we talked about what we want to see kind of coming in the in the future coming out, and I just just remembered one that I've bought these for my for my Kindle reader is uh, there's a character, and I'm trying to remember if he was a Dark Horse character or if he was an Image. Uh, first, he was a first comics character named Grimjack, yep. and it was it was kind of a sci-fi. I, I think I have a, a large run of that comic uh, in my in a Footlocker somewhere, bagged and boarded. And uh, the moths have probably gotten to it at this point, but um, uh, but it's a it, it, that's another great character in another world. You're talking about this Robert Kirkman's Oblivion song. It's very similar. It sounds very similar to the 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 city that he lived in that had all the different dimensions all kind of coming together in different spots, and you could cross one street where the law of physics wouldn't. Uh, would change or you'd cross one street where magic worked and then the next street where it didn't work and things like that. That would be an interesting one. If somebody could bring that into the movies and, and into the few, into this, uh, uh, our technology that we well, have, it'd be an interesting story. Well, uh, I, I don't know. Did you pay attention to that book club thing for annihilation? I did, but it was, they, it takes me a long time to read a book yeah, like I, it. I, uh, it took me about eight months to read it. <laughs> so <laughs> well, that, that, that I understand. That yeah, took, that took me a long time when I was in high school. Uh, but uh, no, they that kind of reminds me of it, and, and similarly because they have to go to this area where it's wooded and everything else, and mm-hmm. it's a different dimension. Yeah, it seems um, like it's, it's something like that. I didn't read the book. Uh, I didn't listen to everybody's talking about the book because eventually I will because I want to see the movie. Yeah, so. yeah. I want to. I, I saw that, and I, I'm interested in reading that book. But I've got some other books now in my in my uh, kind of my radar that I that I want to read and uh, and and check out. There's a an '80s movie that I, I just watched the other night called Digstown with uh, James Woods and uh, Louis Gossett Jr. And it's based on a book, and I just recently bought that book from uh, Amazon, but it, it, they only had it in hardcover. So that's being sent to me. I think that's going to be my next fiction read. Is uh, that's a it's a great it's an early '90s movie, kind of a boxing con movie. If people are interested in that kind of stuff, called Digstown with James Woods and Louis Gossett Jr. Uh, and that's uh, this week's panels to pixels. And thank you, uh, everybody. Check out the Facebook page. We're on Facebook, and uh, you can email us. Uh, the email is uh, on a link in the Facebook page, I believe. So if not, uh, you can email us at panels2pixels, the number one, at Gmail. And, uh, you know, I haven't got any mail, but I'll read it the next time. So thank you all for listening, and thank you, Steve, for being on.
Thank you once again. No problem. Until next time, thank you. Thank you.